Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 96 of the Fabulously Keto podcast and today I'm interviewing Jeff Cotterman. Now I reached out to Jeff after hearing him on a Low Carb USA podcast because I'm really interested in Dr. Ben Bocciccio's smart training and that's what he is um, advocating. Um, So I couldn't find his email address but I got in contact with Pam Devine from Low Carb USA and she's connected us so we managed to get this call together. So let me tell you a little bit about Jeff. Jeff Cotterman, founder of the Tri-System Health Network, is a director of the National Association of Sports Nutrition and the first NASN licensed master sports nutritionist in San Diego, California. He specializes in breaking health, performance and fitness plateaus through exercise and nutrition. He graduated from the College of New Jersey in Trenton with a degree in both health and physical education and obtained his professional certifications through several different organisations including AFAA, ACE, the NAFC and the NASN. Jeff holds every certification the NASN has to offer, including their licensing instructor certificate. Jeff currently trains and mentors health and fitness professionals all over the world to get an NASN certification and then to pay it forward to others through their individual practices. Jeff is a consultant to several major fitness companies and gives support to more effective nutrition and exercise programs for products mass marketed today. He has been the expert consultant for popular fitness programs currently featured in specialty supplement stores and major retailers such as Walmart, Target, infomercials and direct marketing products like like MET RX180 or MET RX180. Jeff's latest endeavour is in the growth and development of the Tri-System Health Network. The medical and health communities have got it wrong. The solution to contemporary health issues, disease treatment and prevention is not primarily prescription drugs and invasive procedures. It's specific science-based nutrition, exercise and nutritive supplementation programs that are personally and individually determined. The Tri-System Health Network has been personally introduced through short talks and seminars he and his team have given. An engaging and accomplished speaker, Jeff has been interviewed by ABC, CBS, NBC, San Diego's KP, 
PBS and the BBC News. He's been quoted in the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal and several other respected periodicals. Jeff is a family man spending most of his leisure time with his wife Tina and their two children. Jeff has also a passion for research and implementation of specific nutrition and exercise strategies that fight heart disease, cancer and diabetes, the leading cause of death in America. Jeff has been coaching and mentoring as a unique sports nutritionist in San Diego, California since 1996. Welcome, Jeff, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I say us because I've got in the habit, but Louise, you know, Louise is working full time in Australia and timing, specific, particularly with Pacific time, just doesn't work. So, um, yeah, we, it's me. It's just me today. <laughs> uh -huh. So where in the world are you? Uh, I'm in sunny Southern California, San Diego. Oh, lovely. That's wonderful. Yes. Such a lovely place. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you got involved in low-carb keto. What brought you to, to our world? So I've been a licensed sports nutritionist for over 30 years. And so I've been writing menus for people and writing exercise regimes for decades. And uh, one of my clients was uh, Dr. Brian Lenskes. And he's been a client for, um, I'd say 15 years, he's been my client. Uh -huh. And uh, um, when I last, uh, when I first started to see him, uh, I put him on a high carb regime. I put him on six small meals a day, made sure he did an hour of cardio a day. And I told him that, listen, we need to uh, um, get your body more comfortable with carbohydrates. Obviously, it's not. And so we need to increase your carb tolerance by gradually increasing the amount of carbohydrates you consume in a day. And uh, um, how did that work out? It didn't work out well at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, actually, just through sheer willpower, just through uh, um, exercise and calorie deficit, we, we got him to lose a little bit in the beginning but it, it just was not sustainable. And we were fighting an uphill battle, just making it more, I was making it more insulin resistant as a result of what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I guess, um, I guess like him, there was hundreds of other clients as well that you're doing the same thing. Right. Right. So inadvertently, um, yeah, I was making people fatter, um, but I was rationalizing it and, and just like other personal trainers and, uh, and dietitians today do, they just say, well, they're just not compliant or they're just, they don't have enough willpower. They're, there's something that they're doing that they're not telling me. And, uh, um, I would cater to the people that would respond to that regime. And, uh, I, I got to actually have a, a conversation, um, after becoming a, a low carb advocate, with uh, uh, Tim Noakes in, in South Africa. And uh, uh, we had a conversation over Twitter, back and forth, messaging back and forth. And he estimates that about 15% uh, um, of the population can eat a, a high carb diet without uh, detriment. Uh, yeah. So, so, and that's, that's just his estimate that there is a minority of the pop world population that are, are going to respond to uh, uh, um, high carb. Um, and, and I mean, we're, we're just like any other 
animal, any other species, right? There are a certain amount of cockroaches that will survive a nuclear attack. There's a certain amount of people that will respond to eating sawdust and lifting rocks, you know, and, and they'll, they'll be lean and healthy. So looking back, I would find people that were already fit um, and, and put them on a regime like this. But that was only, let's say, 15% of the population. So 85% of my market wouldn't respond to what I would do. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the experience that, that I was struggling with. And I, I was still successful because I was very good at uh, marketing and, and uh, getting clientele that were already fit. Yeah. Um, but it, it, you're marketing to a smaller segment. Um, to go back to my experience with, uh, with Dr. Brian, uh, I, so I was in this training people that were already athletic, just looking to lose that extra few pounds or to, to change their body percentage, you know, a few percent to just be a little bit better at their sport or to look a little bit better for their wedding. Uh, and I really wasn't helping the obese population or, or the, the medically disqualified population in quotes, right? the, That wasn't my segment. So uh, Dr. Brian calls me up on a Friday night. I typically don't want to be bothered on a Friday night. I just sat down on the couch to say, I'm not going to think about business. And he's got my cell phone number. He rings me up and, and says, Jeff, I got to talk to you about something. And I was uh, just short of rude because I, I, uh, I just didn't want to be bothered. And I really thought he was going to sell me some network marketing supplement, the, the, some snake oil, you know, I'm like, okay, doc, you know, what, where do I sign up for the, the downline or the network or whatever it is? And he's like, I'm not talking about supplements. I'm not talking about anything. I'm talking about specific science that he has found to be credible. And, uh, um, and I argued with him. Now I, I'm, I'm not a PhD or an MD, but, but I, I know my, little niche right there. So yeah. within yeah. sports performance, I, I said, if you're going to cut carbs, you're going to glycogen deplete, you're going to degrade uh, um, lean body mass, you're going to lose performance. No athlete is going to want to starve themselves with carbohydrate, especially when there's all these supplements out there and, and um, dietary regimes to carb load. I mean, that's what we do with runners. That's what we do with uh, a lot of athletes, right? And so he kept coming up with credible research, like Google Scholar type stuff, where peer reviewed research that, that showed that um, over a, a certain period of time that a ketogenic diet, even a ketogenic diet, which is an extremely low carbohydrate, uh, um, didn't sacrifice performance in the long term. Yeah, when when was this? What when? How long so ago was, were we talking about? This was 2017, so not not too far in the past. This is yeah. recent history for me. Uh, uh, so um, uh, compared to my whole career, I'm a relative newbie to it. Um, so I've only been been doing low carb, uh, high fat regimes now for the past five years, and um, so that was a that was a Damascus moment for me. I. I it was opposite. It was contrary to what I was uh, teaching in my courses at the NASN to what all my clientele were doing. Uh, and I went into the research and I'd started to do it on myself. And uh, um, I got my uh, fasting insulin and, uh, and it was 10. It wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it was creeping up. And I thought, well, what? 
how could I be pre-diabetic or approaching? How could I be developing insulin resistant if I'm eating all these low glycemic carbs? What was the quantity? You know, I was eating 4,000 calories a day. Still, still can eat up to that amount of calorie count a day. Who's counting calories anymore? But, you know, um, just the, the sheer volume of starch was gradually making my body resistant, even though I was very active. Uh, and, uh, I had levels of inflammation. I'm 54 right now. And you, you know, you train with clients all day and there's still ego involved. I have a 17 year old, uh, um, legacy coming up. Who's working with me at the tri-system center and he's training people and we work out together. And he's, he's like, dad, I'm going to do this workout. I'm well, I'm not going to let that guy show me up, you know? <laughs> so, uh, Noah, the future, the next generation of a practitioner at Tri-System, he, he pleasantly tells me, dad, I'm, I'm going up and you're going down, right? But at 54, I'm, not yet, son, right? So, um, so you get little aches and pains just trying to show up your 17-year-old son. And, and uh, Aikido was a great tool to reduce inflammation, to improve recovery, uh, uh, and uh, um Keep me in the game with that boy. I got to keep him on his toes as long as I can. Yeah. Eventually that guy's going to pass me up. But um, so I did it. I did my own experiment. N of one, right? We talk about that in this community. Everybody's different, but is it going to work for me? Yeah. And I experienced, the, you know, the whole, the whole newbie plethora of things. I experienced uh, uh, keto flu, uh, uh, rapid weight loss. I mean, I, I was not fat by any means, but I, I lost 20 pounds in six weeks. Uh, you know, my wife so pleasantly reminded me where, you know, where'd your ass go, Jeff? What, <laughs> you know, I was skinny. Um, I was doing intermittent fasting as well as a ketogenic diet. And I, I crashed hard um, and was wondering if it was going to be beneficial for my clients. But then I researched it more and, and uh, I actually talked to Doug. I said, Doug, I'm losing too much weight. I don't know if this is good for me. And we adjusted my eating plan and my exercise. And, uh, and it, it all came back. Yeah. So, so I was sold on it. For the listeners, that's Doug Reynolds of Low Carb USA. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Doug Reynolds. And uh, I was convinced that it works. So then, then I started trying it on my clients. And then, so I have a plethora of clients. I had uh, bodybuilders and strength athletes and marathon runners. So I had the, the spectrum. I said, well, we're, we're going to implement this in various versions of it for all these athletes. And I had, I had bodybuilders do the best they've ever done, um, uh, get the lowest body fat while sustaining muscle mass. Yep. Uh, or even increasing muscle mass. So I've actually had clients uh, be anabolic, grow muscle on a low carb, high fat diet. And that's kind of counterintuitive, especially in the strength world. Um, and so I was sold on it to the point where, okay, now I have to go to my organization that I direct where we teach all these courses and I have to get on there. My wife advised me not to do this video, but there's a video out on YouTube that says, sorry, guys, I was wrong. And I had Tim Noakes as an example. He was a professor who wrote, you know, the, the whole carbohydrate regime of carb loading and, and wrote the, the lore of running. And, 
and uh, he's been seen in lectures ripping chapters out of his textbook that he yeah. wrote, these college textbooks. Yeah. So I said, okay, for my organization, for I can say we're wrong uh, just to maintain integrity, just so I could sleep at night, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I don't want to make people diabetic. I mean, it, 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 in America alone, it, it's, a, it's an epic epidemic that people don't want to talk about. There are mm. more people in America now that are pre-diabetic and diabetic than are not. And, and, uh, you know, well, the, I think they, they estimate that about 88% of Americans and it's probably similar in the UK as well. Yeah. Have at least one metabolic marker that's, that's off and if not more. So right. At least 60% and, probably have more. And the, the advice is, Oh, just cut back a little bit and everything will be okay. <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't, you know, that's like doesn't you know, putting a Band-Aid on a, a amputation. It just doesn't, it's not, it's not going to help. No, so I think, um, I think, sorry to interrupt. I think it's really brave. I mean, your wife said, don't do it. But actually the easy thing is to not say, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. That's the easy way out. That's right. the, the way that most people will go. But to actually be able to say, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. I don't think what that what I've been doing for the last X amount of years is the right advice I've been giving. That is really brave to do, isn't it? Uh, yes, I, I, I think I went into it naive. What her her advice really was not to not change the the courses. She, she definitely agreed that we had to correct the courses, but not to publicly go out and say, hey, I, I made a mistake and I did that. And uh, not knowing, not knowing the ramifications, she kind of knew what was coming. And that was a mass exodus of, of the organization. So there are a lot of people that are still high carb, traditional people, uh, um, very much uh, also on the registered dietitian side. And so they immediately called me and our organization uh, quacks. This is quackery. You're subjecting yourself to a fad diet. Keto is nothing but a fad. It's been around a long time and it's not sustainable. It's one of the most difficult diets to do and it's dangerous. Uh, so how could you put these athletes uh, on the, on this program? Well, um, thank God there's organizations like low carb USA and, and you guys, and we can really surround ourselves with credible practitioners, researchers, and medical doctors that can uh, um, sway, hopefully, sway public opinion away from uh, um, old science and old agendas and be, uh, be open-minded. Um, so. And some of it's not based on science. Some of oh, it is. A, a lot of it is not based on science, right? Know, right? Uh, uh, they've done the just, research, but they've cherry picked the data. Sure. Sure. Um, so. Yeah, research is a scary thing out there, right? For for everybody that proves the sky is blue, there's somebody that proves it's purple. But uh, um, and so we have to really dig in and see is this credible research and what's the source and how is it funded and uh, um, it's not as easy as uh, oh, let's just search and see what's on Google Scholar. Uh, you, you really got to dig in, um, and most of us don't have time for that, right? Yeah, most of us don't. Uh, um, have the time or resources. So what's really uh, a blessing to us is that we have this network of people that are that that delve into it, that that spend their life doing this research. And then we can uh, at the NASN and me personally, we can 
um, gleam off of their efforts and assemble a practical program to uh, to help ourselves and to teach others. So, yes. uh, so I'm not a PhD myself, but I have the access and, and, and the ability to promote these courses so that we can develop other practitioners that have gone through an experience just like you've gone through personally uh, um, in your life. I mean, you found your way just through your own body, uh, um, your own personal experiences in your life. And now it's time to pay it forward. And how do we, how do we do that? How do we practically now give this advice, coach other people to do it and give them good information? Simply put, how do we tell them what to eat and how to exercise so that they can experience what we've experienced? Um, and that's a hard thing. A lot of people don't know, okay, what, what's the first step in assembling a menu? It's one thing to say low carb. It's one thing to say, okay, restrict your carbohydrate to 20 grams a day or to 30 grams a day. Uh, it's another thing to say, okay, what's that look like in a menu? And uh, are these foods available to me? And do I even like to eat them? Absolutely. Yep. Um, so I'm segueing all over the place. I'm going to get back on track. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it's me distracting you. I, I, I love it. So, uh, I mean, we're passionate about what we do, right? I, I, my, I feel like my place in the world, my purpose is to, is to help people do what they don't want to do so they can be who they want to be. So that's my, my passion. And uh, um, it's not like we're selling cigarettes. We actually are helping people. And we, I get great gratification. I'm sure you do too. When people that you meet, uh, um, make a change for the better. And all of a sudden they could do something or they, they experienced something that they thought they had lost, or they thought that they could never even do to begin with that. That is what keeps me going. That's what gets me up in the morning. Yeah. Um, so we wrote the, we rewrote the, the course and we're still uh, rewriting all these courses, the personal training course, the, the uh, primary sports nutrition course, the, the, um, the master sports nutrition course, um, um, we have all different courses, like a health advocacy course. So you can be an advocate for somebody going through a medical problem. Uh, we have smart training, which is Dr. Ben's training within the personal training course. Um, we have fitness evaluation. So you can actually uh, measure metabolic markers. We have all these courses that we had to change to fit this epiphany that I had in 2017. Yeah. But uh, the NASN now is... Tell, Army tell practitioners, people, yeah. Tell people what the NAS, NASN is. Oh, okay. So the National Association of Sports Nutrition is an organization that licenses and certifies uh, um, metabolic practitioners, personal trainers, and uh, sports nutritionists uh, um, to help people perform better, to help people with metabolic health. And uh, there are so many that more people out there that need help than there are people to help them. Right. Uh, and, and so, uh, yes, if you can find yourself a, a medical doctor and become a, a patient, or you can find yourself uh, um, a nutritionist who's a, a PhD, that's great, but those are limited in numbers. We need more um, ground troops on the ground. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what we do. We, we take somebody who, um, might not even have uh, um, um, any college and get them to be either a health coach or a personal trainer. And then with training and, and those that have uh, adequate college, like an associate's degree or just even a bachelor's degree, and we get them certified as a licensed practitioner to be able to write menus and uh, to be able to write specific exercise regimes for people and help that great need. The, the supply 
is small and the demand is great. So if you have the right tools, uh, you can you can tap in uh, to the need out there and, re- and really, really help people and, and feed yourself doing it. It's good. Yeah. And, yeah. and so we've kind of weathered the storm. We're still weathering the storm. I'm still... Uh, um, I'm still called a quack by by some people out there in the high carb world, but uh, I can sleep with a clear conscience. We have this new, ever evolving uh, um, library of courses that certify and license at the National Association of Sports Nutrition. And uh, um, the cool thing about it is now it's on a digital platform. So if new research comes in, we don't have to rewrite the textbook. We don't have to be like Tim Noakes and like, okay, I have to make a new edition. It's all digital. So if something comes out that that is going to change or shape or make it better. We instantly implement it. And all of our uh, members, all of our our uh, uh, practitioners have instant access to that as it changes. Yeah. So so we're we have a contemporary course that's really up to date real time. And uh, uh, that's exciting to me. Yeah. So get, getting back to this uh, um, experience. So. Dr. Brian Lenskes, who taught me how to do this, uh, um, invited me to low carb, introduced me to uh, Doug Reynolds uh, and his wife, Pam. And um, he has these national conferences and he gave me a chance to speak. And so I I had a breakout group uh, 2019, no, 2020. Um, I've been involved with uh, the San Diego Low Carb International Conference every summer now. Um, So I have a a booth there and a presence there, but I got to speak. And the the topic was on uh, low carb and performance, which is what brought me into this. Yeah. And there was a controversy about performance. There was a controversy just like I had when when I first talked to Dr. Brian about, hey, this is going to reduce performance, reduce muscle mass. It's going to make people uh, um, lose lean weight, not fat weight. And who in, in a, a competitive sport is going to want to do that? So I wondered why was there this controversy? So I delved into, I used my Google Scholar and, and peers and all this stuff. And I did research on the research and uh, um, kind of arranged all the studies, the credible studies, uh, that that weren't funded by uh, um, a supplement company or, or didn't have a specific agenda. And I still found a controversy between uh, whether it was beneficial to do low carb, high fat or not. But what I did was I arranged them in length of study. And so there are some studies out there that were only two weeks long yeah. or that were only a month long. And of course, there's going to be a little dip in performance. As your body becomes adaptive, as your body transitions, uh, um, there's going to be this uh, um, swaying in your weight, swaying in performance, swaying in in hydration as your body shifts from from you know a water soluble energy substrate to a fat soluble substrate. So as the studies lengthened lengthened in time from from four weeks to eight weeks, right around right around the eight week six week eight week mark, all of a sudden the results started to change. Yeah. Then you get to a ninety day study or a six. Uh, um, a six-month study, a year study, and the results are phenomenal. So with the the people that you're working or were working with at the time, what was, so were they mostly muscle building 
exercises or were they endurance sports sporting people? So I, I because I'm a sports interest, I had the spectrum. So I, I had ultra marathon runners all the way up to power lifters and strength lifters. So this from the strength from the spectrum of anaerobic to aerobic aerobic athlete, I had all in between. So did, uh, is there a, is there a difference between how long? So if somebody moves from being a glucose burner and you know high carb to moving to low carb keto is what's the sort of time span for for people to change and is it different for people that are muscle building rather than endurance that's good there's a slide in the in that presentation it's online um that i print out and i hand it out to people so i, I made this good slide and i guess it's a, a good reference so the slide shows two to five days to get into ketosis yeah Right. And then about six to eight weeks to become fat adaptive. So for some athletes right in the beginning of the season, right? If you're coming to, if, if you're coming to the playoffs, it's not time to switch from glucose because there's going to be a, a potential dip in performance, uh, a potential dip in your ability, ability to stay hydrated. Um, and so it's best to do it in the off season because it's going to take about six to eight weeks to perform equal to what worst case scenario, let's say the worst case scenario, six to eight weeks to bring your performance equal to what it was before the transition. But then it should improve exponentially, whether you're an aerobic or anaerobic athlete, yeah. which is very cool. Um, so strength power lifters are like, what, no carbs? No, no, you don't need to carb load for a, a power lifting meet. Um, and uh, um, that makes sense to a biochemist. But to the bro science in the gym, it's a, sometimes it's a hard sell until you show them an athlete that's beating them or doing competitive lifting, then, then they're, they'll be open to it. Yeah. Um, and then this, the third part of the slide is about in about six months to a year. And a lot of, a, a lot of uh, uh, low carb people don't like to talk about this phase, but um, you can become metabolically flexible enough that if you have a high carb meal, you, you'll return to ketosis rather quickly if you go back. Yeah. And for, and for some of our athletes, it's actually healthy for them to carb cycle. And this is kind of a taboo subject. It's not a subject that a sugar addict or a, a, somebody who's medically challenged, they shouldn't... Uh, reintroduce carbohydrate because that, that'll just wreck things. But but for your some healthy athletes, uh, um, having a carbohydrate meal every once in a while is actually beneficial for their health and their performance. Um, I like to say, uh, um, I, I might be touching on a little red herring here, but I, I like to say that keto is not a religion; it's a tool. So uh, uh, I believe that just like Tim Noakes, 85% of the population should be eating low carbohydrate to the level of bringing themselves to ketosis. Yeah. But for some healthy athletes, for some of my clients who have over 200 pounds of muscle, 200 pounds of lean body mass, that means they weigh more than 200 pounds, just 200 pounds of them are not fat. They can maintain a level of ketosis, produce ketones uh, uh, measured at one or greater um, eating 60, 70, 100 carbs a day. Yeah. Wow. So if they, if, if they can maintain a ketogenic pathway and, and be and stay insulin sensitive, 
then they don't have to restrict as much. Yeah. Most of us do. Yeah. And I guess that's because they are using up the glycogen in their muscle stores. Yeah. And so they need to replenish. And so they have, yeah. And they have a bigger reservoir to hold it, a bigger suitcase to carry it. That's correct. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Um, but to, to work out for three weeks and be ketogenic for three weeks, and then all of a sudden say you're metabolically flexible and you're good enough. That's, that's fictitious. Everybody wants to get to that. That's years in advance. And some people will never be metabolically flexible. They just genetically been given that hand, but some people are, and we don't want to call them, you know, blasphemers. They're, they're not heretics. If they have, car- you're not a heretic. If you have a carbohydrate meal every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think you need to be flexible, and and you know there are the keto police out there that say you have to do this all the time. And, you know, maybe that that person is a sugar addict, for example, right. and they have right. to abstain. But maybe there are other people that are not. So I I can quite easily dip in and out because it doesn't send me in a downward spiral of I've got to have sugar, 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 you know, this coming weekend, we're at the beginning of June, this coming weekend is my sister's birthday. I will probably have some of the birthday cake, which will not be low carb or keto. Right. But I know that the next day I just go back to it. It doesn't, it doesn't negatively impact me. Um, And so it's life you know we we still have to live and we still have to mix with other people and let's admit that 99 percent of the other people are high carb eaters we've yes. still got to live with them and mix with them so if you're not yes. addicted to sugar or addicted to carbohydrate then why not is what i say i call it i, I call it keto incognito <laughs> you know so you don't have the, the uh, Doug Reynolds always says the first rule of keto is not to not to talk about keto right? <laughs> yeah. because it, beca- it becomes this cult experience. And of course, if you've experienced something that's life changing, it, it, it's just knack. You want to evangelize. Right. But um, m- m- most people don't want to hear about it. Um, um, but if they ask, then then you can tell them. And um, I can go, you know, just like you, I can go to an outing and I'll choose to eat no starch whatsoever. But when it comes to the birthday cake, yeah, I'll uh, I'll have a slice, and uh, and I'll thoroughly enjoy it. I I I am on some level a sugar addict. I mean, I I feel that icing in my toes when I <laughs> when I take a bite of it, and yeah. and I recognize that the flavor is not sweet. The flavor is more. It tastes like more. You know, as soon as that uh, flavor leaves your tongue, you want to continue the experience. So I recognize that. Uh, um, and uh, um, if we do recognize that and we're able to say stop when your body says more, um, then there's a, th- there is a benefit, right? But just like wine can be healthy and alcoholics shouldn't drink. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's important to know where you are on that scale of how, how does it, how does, how do you react to that? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think we have to dictate that you can't have this and you can't have that. You have to know yourself and maybe you can't have it. You know, some people just cannot, like you say, you wouldn't give an alcoholic alcohol. Right. And so there's this N of one, everybody's different. Yeah. And uh, uh, what works for one doesn't work for another. And I think that that is the, is the niche that the tri system center and the national association of sports nutrition fills. We teach people how to assess uh, um, either themselves or someone else. 
as an individual with varying tastes, varying intolerances, uh, uh, um, varying uh, um, even tolerances to be able to do certain exercise and to eat in a certain way. And we answer the questions like, how many meals should you eat a day? What should the size of your meal be? What, um, what, should, it, what should it be? What does it look like? So we actually write menus and say, eat this. We, we write workout regimes and say, this is how long you should do this. This is how many sets and what exercises you should do. Um, and, and that's different for everybody as well. Yeah. Some people don't like that, though. Jackie, some people don't want to be micromanaged. They want to say, they want the, their their coach to say, well, just increase your fiber a little bit and let's work on that. Or just increase your water and then come back in two weeks and we'll talk about it. Now, we counsel people like that, but I've personally found that it goes a lot slower than if you say, eat this and exercise this way and let's see, let's see how well you can do that. Now, do I expect 100% compliance? Never. Nobody's going to be a robot. But if you have a template to follow and we can determine compliancy and we can determine effectiveness, then we can, then now we're getting into the nuts and bolts of coaching, coaching. Now yeah. we can manipulate the program. You know, I had tuna fish for two weeks and I had it most lunches and I'm absolutely sick of it. I've worn out that feel right. Let's get rid of that. And let's find a reasonable facsimile. Let's find something that's going to replace that, that uh, is still going to give you the benefit. And I think that's that's where we come in. A lot of people are scared to write menus. They they feel like either they're not qualified or and, and some people aren't. You know, you need to have a certain level of education and training to be able to give somebody a menu and have them pay you for it. Um, and that's what the NASN is all about. But um, even those that are qualified, I, I know a lot of uh, health practitioners, even registered dietitians that that the. Uh, stay away from actually writing a menu saying this is what you should eat yeah so yeah. how did your family did your family come aboard with you at the time or did it take them a longer time to come on board are they on board so my family it's an ongoing thing Let, let's let's go back a little bit I, I can remember one of my first memories is three years old my dad coming home and throwing my alphabet cereal throwing my kellogg cereal in the garbage uh, what did you do to my cereal, dad? Three years old. I, I thought I was in trouble. I thought I he was punishing me. No, we're going to follow a health food diet. We started going to this health food store. So I can remember at four and five years old, going to this funny little store that wasn't a supermarket that smelled funny and had all these weird things. And, and uh, these kind of hippie people were talking the 60s and 70s. So there's these people walking around with beads and bell bottoms and dreadlocks and, and only eating funky foods. And I, that's not what my friends are eating. Um, but that's how I was introduced to a health food diet. And we went through, uh, um, a full spectrum of, uh, uh, um, different types of healthy diet, but mostly it was organic and natural and trying to stay away from processed foods. And, and those were, those were good things that I learned from a very young age. Um, uh, my dad was an athlete all his life, um, played division one basketball, uh, coached basketball for a good 30 years, played tennis, was a runner, was a golfer. Um, my mom taught aerobics back in the seventies. You know, my mom taught stuff uh, uh, like jazzercise when leg warmers were cool. And, and uh, um, you know, she's making yeah. music, making the, the, the little cassette tape music things to go with her. So I, that's what I grew up around. So quite healthy background. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, um, we started off in New York City, and uh, um, and then when I went to college, uh, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. I was not good enough to be that, but um, I decided I, my degree was going to be in this stuff because I wanted to learn how to be better. Um, and uh, I decided, well, if I can't be a, a, a professional athlete, what am I going to be that's more physically challenging uh, than, than being a professional athlete or just as good. I, I try to, what is a, another testosterone filled, uh, vocation. So uh, at, uh, 17, 18 years old, uh, I found myself in the Marine Corps, U S Marine Corps. So I'm like, okay, those guys are fit and I, I'm going to have to, you know, work out a lot to, to, for my job. So I, I was in the Marine Corps, well, um, for uh, um, seven years. And during that time, I, I, I got them to help me go through college, get my degree. And uh, I was working on performance within, w within the military. And even in that environment, I would eat my meals specifically back then it was high carb. I would take, you know, I would take my Gatorade and I'd get ready to go out for a run be like, I'm going to be the best one in this run. And then uh, somebody would roll in just in time for the run with uh, with lipstick on his collar and alcohol on his breath and then he, he would just kick my butt in a run you know <laughs> and that, that was these these special forces guys that were that they're just genetically monsters and i would i'd be like i'm getting the perfect amount of sleep i'm trying to eat everything and these guys are, are running on alcohol and and partying and and still doing better than me but it just encouraged me to to uh figure out how I could be the best I could be. And it also encouraged me to change my, my psychology of, you know, my success is not based on someone else's performance. My success is based on being the best with what I've been given. Right. I don't want to be the guy that gets lung cancer and says, Oh, if I, if I had only stopped smoking, maybe I would have prevented this. I, you know, if, if, if I'm destined to get lung cancer, I want to be the guy that says, well, I did everything I could to prevent it. Yeah. And, and, and this is, this is what happened to me. It, so no matter what happens to us in life, it, let's reduce the amount of regrets we have, right? Let's not say if only let's make opportunity so we can do the only thing that we think we can't do that. that that's a fulfilling life. I'm getting a little philosophical. I was on Dr. Brian's more than medicine podcast, you know, but the, there is a philosophy to this stuff, right? That you, we, we have to love ourselves and love others to, to be successful in, in a, a health business. You know, yeah. If you hate your body, if you hate your body and you hate other people, you're not going to do well in this. No, very true. Yeah. So, so going back to your, your oh, wife and family. your kids. Yeah. How did, how did they, how did they accept it? Did they change with you? What was the question? I forgot. No, okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> so you what? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, so my dad actually got into Atkins uh, when I was on the high carb thing, and we'd get in these arguments uh, um, after I graduated college. And I was like, "Dad, Atkins is going to kill you." It's like, "No, it's not. No, it's not." I'm like, "I just went to school. I have a degree. I've taken nutrition courses. Your cholesterol." is going to just kill you. And uh, he's like, no, no, Jeff, I taught you everything you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right. So, um, um, so he did Atkins for a long time, but, um, but he did Atkins in a way of, I'm going to eat, 
I'm going to reduce carbs and eat high protein. Um, but not, he didn't, he didn't raise his fat. So yeah. it wasn't truly keto. Yeah. And uh, looking back on that, he, he became very good at deaminization or, or uh, gluconeogenesis turning protein into carbohydrate. Yeah. And uh, uh, it raised, it raised his uh, insulin resistance and um, doing Atkins, he had a heart attack and that's, that scared him away from keto. And uh, that was disappointing uh, because he had the right idea of cutting the carbs, but he didn't introduce the healthy fats and he didn't, and, and he dominated his diet with a protein diet where you, you, you can't eat too much protein, believe it or not. There are some low carb people out there that say, no, you just need to eat steak and everything's going to be okay. I, I don't, I don't buy into that because of my dad's experience and my other clients experience. You can't eat too much protein, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. So there's balance. Yeah. So he's resistant to it to this day. He's still alive. He's had open heart surgery. He's had seven stints, um, but he's very resistant to keto because uh, um, Dr. Atkins had clogged arteries in his autopsy and, and um, he has high cholesterol and, and had heart, two heart attacks now in his life. Yeah. So, so from a family perspective, we're still kind of arguing back and forth. My dad still knows best. And I, I really want him to be on a truly ketogenic diet and, and he's struggling to, to to fight that. Yeah. My wife <laughs> loves to say, I told you so. So she's always been relatively thin. So my wife, when I met her, uh, would eat this combination of um, salami, cheese, and mayonnaise sandwiches. And I thought, you are, you, you are going to uh, uh, die of a heart attack. <laughs> And she would just eat whole avocados. She loved her bacon. She loved her eggs. And here I am eating my egg whites and, you know, oatmeal. Yeah, low fat. <laughs> yes, very low fat, high carbohydrate. And, and we go for our physicals. And she had like a, a one-to-one ratio of HDL to LDL. I was just so jealous. So, so envious of her. Her good cholesterol was almost more than her LDL. Yeah. And it was just naturally that way. So when I finally went keto, uh, she was in the habit of, uh, of skipping breakfast. So she would intuitively just naturally intermittent fast and eat high fat. She would eat moderate carb, not, not no carb. She would eat moderate carb, but she never had a sweet tooth. Um, like salty and, 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 and fatty stuff. Um, so when I finally admitted to it or, or changed it, she said, I told you so <laughs> because that was her natural experience. So just genetically, her intuitive cravings were towards a low carb, high fat diet. So, yeah. uh, um, so between my father and my wife, I, you know, I, I'm late to the late to the show. I'm, uh, 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 I'm, uh, behind the curve a little bit. Better late than never though. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and they keep me on my toes. So she, she went with your way of eating quite easily because she was already doing it most of the time anyway. That's correct. That's correct. And she naturally uh, carb cycles because if she's exclusively keto, uh, um, she uh, gets really thin. Um, and uh, um, she likes to have a little curviness to her. She's naturally uh, kind of skinny. And she's always been told in, in, from a young age that she was 
thin and anybody who's really thin doesn't want to be that way. Just like anybody who's grew up heavy doesn't want to, you know, the grass is always greener. Yeah. So she'll cycle in her carbs and, and, and uh, um, she just knows her body. It's amazing to me. She, she just naturally does it. Whereas I have to plan it out. I don't listen to my body. Uh, I, I, uh, I'll work out through tendonitis. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll have to get pretty bad before I stop. I'm learning now after, after about 50 years, I'm finally learning what, what's too much and what's not enough. But, um, Tina seems to naturally know that. Yeah. My daughter recognized she grew up around heavier kids. It's very interesting to me. Somebody brought this out. There's two versions of Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. Do you know the movie? Jackie? No, no I've, I've never seen it. And do you know what? I've been reading some Roald Dahl books, but I haven't got to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory yet. Charlie and the Chocolate. There's two versions. There's one that came out in the 70s and one that came out in the early 2000s. Uh, um, the owner of the Chocolate Factory is Gene Wilder in the older version. And everybody knows who Johnny Depp is now. He's in the news. Johnny Depp was the, the, star, or the, the owner of the Chocolate Factory in uh, um, the new one. The interesting thing is if you look at two versions, there's stereotypical kids. And in the 70s version, there's a fat kid. Yeah. And the fat kid in the newer version is normal weight by our standards. Yeah. Very interesting, right? So the social acceptance of what is a normal weight and what normal anthropometry is has changed. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Due to worldwide. Uh, um, insulin resistance, I think. Yeah. And so my daughter just knew growing up that the, that her classmates were fat and I need to do things to prevent that. So she naturally now uh, um, goes low carb, high fat. Um, I don't know if she's clinically ketogenic, but, uh, but she follows the lifestyle <clears throat> and it, it's reflected. It affects her riding of the horse. It affects her ability to go to work as a vet tech and then come home and, and deal with the horses, you know, uh, horses are, are, are things that you have to get up early for and stay up late for. Yeah. Know, they, they, they don't feed themselves and they don't mm-hmm. exercise themselves. So she's out there training horses. My son, I, I, I love him because he has that same competitive nature that I do. He's definitely a chip off the old block. And so mm-hmm. we, we bet money how quickly he can uh, get back into ketosis if he carb loads uh, um, we, we compete with lifts. Um, he's, he's going to do, uh, um, uh, his first little physique show. Um, and he's, uh, he's going to get into some martial arts this summer. So he's all, he's all about performance and he knows that, uh, um, a ketogenic diet and carb cycling are, um, an advantage that his competitors might not have. Yeah. That's and fabulous that the whole family are, are doing it. It's, it's, Cool. Yeah. So we are a little fit family. And I think that that's part of our success because uh, I, tr- I I don't want to boast about it, but but I think we humbly portray that we're authentic. You know, this yeah. is just the this is just the way we do things. And uh, um, and, and, you know, God willing, it continues. My my family is pretty high energy and they're they're pretty content not complacent, but content. They're pretty happy with, uh, with the way things are going in life. Yeah. And, uh, uh, well, I think being keto or lo- not even necessarily keto, but low carb does affect 
how you feel, it affects your moods, it affects your brain function, all these other things that are just the side benefits of, you know, it affects your energy. These are all things that influence our life and how we feel content. And I often think back to how I was before keto and I was just angry and growly and whiny all the time. And I don't, my kids will say, I still do that. (laughs) <laughs> but nowhere near as much as I was doing it and forever screaming, do this, do that. So I think, you know, I definitely notice a difference in my demeanor has changed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of people come to a coach to lose weight and that's the main focus. And if we can shift that to say that that's going to be a result of other changes that we do in our life. Yeah. Um, then, then the weight loss will be more successful. If we just focus on just what that scale says, then we're ignoring the bigger picture. We're ignoring the, the more important things in life. Yeah. I, I have guys that come in and this, this, this guy came in and he said, I just, I'm going through this horrible divorce and, uh, uh, and I need a six pack because I'm going to, I'm 47 years old. I'm re-entering the, the, the singles market and uh, I need um, a, a kicking body. Cause I'm going to get myself a new wife. Uh, I'm, I'm divorcing and it's horrible. And I, I, I've gotten this bad luck. Uh, my partner is just not, you know, she's cruel and evil and she's the devil herself. And so he would come in and, and just work out really hard. And I would write him menus and he would tell me all about these horrible things going through his divorce. They're fighting about this. It was, it was the war of the roses. It was, uh, um, just, horrible stuff. And he was stressed Yeah, and he would follow the, the program. I would say a good 90% of the time. And uh, um, so 10% of the time he'd go off the rails, but 90% of the time he was sweating, putting in the time, eating the right meals. And his, he wasn't losing weight. Um, he wasn't uh, um, performing very well. In fact, his, his workouts, some of them were getting worse. He's like, how come I can do uh, this amount of weight? last week, but, but now I can't even do that. Yeah. Well, the divorce finally went through and this guy started to date and he found somebody and he started missing workouts and whining and dining this new beautiful princess that was the the light of his life. And so he dropped down to in, in in nutrition and and exercise dropped down to about 50 or 60% compliant. I was like, you know what, man, you're, you're, uh, you're not going to get in better shape, but unbeknownst to me, that lifting of stress was such a greater benefit than anything else he was doing on 50 or 60% compliancy. He was getting incredible results Yeah, because that burden of stress, that negativity in his life, that regret was all gone. And now he had, now I'm not saying uh, you know, dating somebody is going to totally change your life. Uh, what I am saying is that your attitude, your stress and your mood uh, and your outlook on life is such a greater influence on your, on our physiology than when we, we actually give it credit for, you know, if you can change your mood and attitude and go into your workout and your eating as not a restrictive chore, but as something that you're blessed and able to do, um, then your whole ability to get results is going to change. He, yeah. He naturally leaned down. His waistline was the best it's ever been in his life. Um, 
because this whole outlook on life changes. Yeah, stress, stress. I think is the biggest impediment to yeah to ev- you know to everything, but particularly to weight. Yeah, um, and I think the you know the knock on effect is if you're highly stressed, you've got high cortisol levels and therefore high yeah. higher insulin, and therefore you know high insulin. You're going to be storing fat, not not burning it. No, I I, I agree hundred percent. It's and I see it in my clients. So if they come to me and they only have an aesthetic goal, it's going to be a lot more challenging than if their why is more personal, more, you know, um, that girl that says, I have to fit into this wedding dress and I just want my wedding day to be perfect uh, um, is going to have a harder time, even though she's, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, a wedding monster, even though she's she's driven and that's her, her only focus right now, it's going to be hard to even maintain that through the honeymoon. If it's just an aesthetic, I just want to look good for my wedding. Yeah. 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 If I, I, if I want to spend the rest of my life and I want it to be a long life with my new spouse, that attitude alone is going to change physiological results. Just like you said, cortisol levels, uh, you know, how often you secrete uh, uh, adrenaline, uh, um, how well you build muscle, how well you digest your food, how well you absorb and assimilate nutrients, all is affected by yeah. mood. Yeah. yeah. And even time of day of eating makes a difference. So yes. I've got a client at the moment who is exactly like you're the lady you just mentioned. So she, she wants to trim down because she's getting married she's been really sensible and she's not getting married for a couple of years. So she knows she's got time. Um, but you know, we've been working together for about eight, eight weeks now and she hasn't noticed any change in her physical being, but what she has said is she's eating, um, more real food. She's using proper ingredients. She's snacking so much less. She was snacking, nearly all day and she stopped that she doesn't have an afternoon slump she's sleeping better she doesn't feel shattered in the afternoon and she's she's now taking care of herself and taking breaks and looking after herself and finding other things instead of snacks to to take those breaks so doing other things that's not just around eating so she's had loads of benefits um even though her weight hasn't changed and her size hasn't changed. Well, we don't know about weight because up until last week, she ne- she hadn't bought any scales. She didn't have any scales, but we're assuming it didn't change because her body shape hasn't changed. But mm-hmm. she's just had so many other benefits. But one of the things she does do is she eats very late in the evening. And so when you eat late in the evening and then go to bed, you, f- you haven't had time to digest it. And then she was eating, although she's pushed back her breakfast time, she still didn't have a big um, fasting window. So, you know, these are some of the things that we've been working on is, is changing, changing her eating window, changing her fasting window, Mm -hmm. trying to eat earlier, trying to reduce some of the stress, all these things that impact as well. So now she has momentum. She, she is doing things that help her cope and deal with stress. And then that lesser effect of physiological stress allows her body to get more healthy so she can do more things. Uh, and so once, once that, that 
start happens like like a like a freight train getting started and 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 it's so slow to move uh, there's momentum that goes in she can build on it and build on it and the rate of change will accelerate if she just keeps doing what she's doing to diminish the stress yeah, yeah. um so that that's really really exciting more than her shape change yeah um one thing that i ask clients when when they first sit down is from a a psychological standpoint, if you just close your eyes, I'm going to ask you a question. You're, you fit into one or, of two categories. One, do you feel like you are a generally unhealthy person who's just trying to get fit? You've maybe never been uh, healthy. You, you've maybe you feel like you have a genetic propensity to be unhealthy. There's some kind of genetic marker that's going to, that, that, that increases disease risk. And you're just trying to offset that. So do you feel like you're unfit trying to get healthy or do you fit, feel like you are generally a healthy fit person who might not be at the top of their game right now but eventually you're going to get fit and stay there now everybody is wants to be the, the latter everybody wants to be yes i'm a fit person i think good about myself but if you really dig deep inside um most of us are struggling with w- which they are yeah. A good, te- a good test of that is um, you- you've committed to going running every morning and you wake up and it's pouring rain out. Mm. Now the person that thinks that they are just generally, it's hopeless. They're generally an unhealthy person. They're going to say it's raining. I don't want to go running. Yep. The person that has that outlook that says, listen, I eventually I'm going to get fit and stay fit is going to endure the uncomfortableness of running in the rain to get what they've committed to do done. It's a simple mindset thing. And yeah. sometimes being truthful with yourself is the hardest thing. Yeah. And, and, and knowing what it is that you re- what you, what do you really want? You know, sometimes people might have a superficial want, but what is the deep down? Why, why are they doing this? Yeah. Yeah. So- I would, I would love, I would love to say that most people think that they're a good person, you know, and on the surface you'd say, hey, yes, I'm a good person. And I normally do good things. Uh, um, uh, um, but some people deep down, uh, I mean, that a lot of that is exacerbated by uh, eating disorder. That's another, another group of people that we deal with no. uh, but deep down. They think they're a bad person and they think maybe even they're unworthy of a healthy life or they're unworthy of happiness and it's manifest in their behavior. Uh, um, so uh, a lot of this, uh, you, you've talked about this with uh, other guests on your podcast. A lot of this has to do with mindset and, and, and psychology is closely linked to physiology. Yeah. It's all, it's all part of us, isn't it? It's not, you can't separate it out because it all comes together. So talk about the tri-system center and how that works. Cause I know you get referrals from doctors and. Right. So there are a lot of fitness centers in America, I, I, and uh, I think that worldwide now gyms are becoming more popular. Uh, it's it's one of the things that uh, is part of uh, um, the world monthly bills. Is oh, I have to pay my gym membership, but yeah. uh, um, it's still evident in um, most fitness chains here in the United States that a good forty percent of people pay their membership and never even walk in the door. Mm. 
And uh, um, there's a variety of reasons for that. Either it's crowded or now that now people are worried about germs, everybody's sweating over everybody else. But most people think that uh, it doesn't make a difference whether I go to the gym or not. Or when they get there, they don't know what to do. Or when they get there, they have an idea what they're going to do and, and they just don't do it. They have something that we talk about in, in the, our uh, NASM personal training course called exercise intolerance. In other words, they're at a state in their life where productive exercise that's actually going to affect metabolism is too uncomfortable to do. It's, mm. it's either, either they get lightheaded or they get nause nauseated or, or so out of breath, they feel like their heart's going to pump out of their chest. So they, they never get to the point of actually making a difference with exercise because they just can't get there. So at the Tri-System Center, nobody does exercise without an instructor. So we have a 2,400 square foot space um, that's either in a small group training environment where we have four, maybe five people at the most. Uh, typically, it's just one-on-one. -on -one. And that's where we take you through your workout. And I have some clients that say, I don't want to do this today. Um, uh, I have one client, it, it, it came out of his mouth and now he uses it as a joke. He says, I hate you, Jeff. I hate you <laughs> because they just don't want to do what they need to do to be who they want to be. And so at the Tri-System Center, we just take them through that. And if you learn some methods of training, they are, some methods are highly efficient. We can get through a whole workout in less than a half hour, 15 yeah. or 20, 15 or 20 minutes of doing it right with the supervision of a, a, somebody that makes sure you do it right can be very effective for metabolic health. That's the smart training, Dr. Ben Bukikio's smart training clients come in for, for a 20 to 30 minute workout twice a week and see tremendous change in metabolism. Uh, and these are clients that have all kinds of orthopedic issues. They're full on diabetic or, or they have heart disease uh, and felt like exercise is just not for them. And through smart training, we've been able to uh, literally change. I have, I have a client that's lost over hundred pounds, 120 pounds doing smart training. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. yeah. So that's what the tri-system center is about. It's, it's, we, the tagline is it's better than a gym. Um, uh, and so you can't go in there and just, uh, work out on your own. It's only supervised training. And we start as early as four 30 in the morning and as late as eight o'clock at night. Uh, and, um, every half hour we have either a class or one-on-one -on -one sessions and, uh, yeah. uh we, Did we don't have, we don't have to market. We don't have to advertise. Yeah. There, there, there's literally a waiting list where we're, I'm getting ready to break ground for another center to make more room for clientele that want to do this um, with, with just referrals from Dr. Ben and Dr. Brian and Doug. And uh, uh, I'm blessed. I'm glad that I'm glad that I don't have to beat down the door to get people to come in the door. Yeah. So all yeah. those people that left because you went to the dark side or maybe the light side, Yeah, um, right. all those people that left have just been replaced by people who are willing willing to change and willing to do it differently. Yeah. In, you know, Jackie, the, the, the bitter truth is uh, those that left the organization that were first certified by me, they're still trying to cater to that 15% and they're still paying enormous amounts of money for Facebook ads and marketing regimes and, uh, and Instagram and, uh, and just beating themselves to death to try to get people to go in there 
so that they can teach them how to eat six small meals a day, high carb and do over an hour of cardio a day. And they're, they're dooming themselves and their business to failure because they're teaching the wrong thing. And people, people just aren't going to get results. They're not going to, and if they do, they're not going to stick long-term. I have clients uh, that have been with me since I started, you you know, uh, um, and they're, they're going to be personal trained for the rest of their lives because they know it's the right thing to do. And they know that they won't do it without me. Yeah. And they're, um, they're, it's working well for them and they're feeling, feeling the difference, feeling better. It's just part of their day, like brushing their teeth. Yeah. And it's, uh, uh, and, and I'm truly blessed and honored that they would give me the responsibility of their health and fitness and not let them snack, uh, snack, not let them slack both of those things, not let them <laughs> snack or, or slack. Uh, and uh, um, make them do what they don't want to do. Yeah. Tell me something. Do you close the gym at lunchtime? Um, no, but I do take a, a, a half hour lunch myself. You t- yeah. Because uh, the reason I ask this is because Louise, um, is she works on campus. She's a, a university lecturer. And she, um, she decided to go to the gym the other day. And she got all her... her kit on her trainers on and she went to the gym and it was closed and I just thought how weird that a gym would be closed at lunchtime which is yeah. probably when most people are going to go to the gym it yeah. just struck me as really odd that is that is odd I think that there's a phenomenon post pandemic where staffing is an issue yeah um I, I mean I, it's a limiting factor here I, I'm looking for quality practitioners that are going to get their certification and license um, that I feel comfortable giving the keys to and, and Jackie, it's hard to find, especially in the fitness world, because, uh, like religion, there's just many different sects and cults. And, you know, I don't want somebody coming into my center and saying, oh, it's okay to eat carbs. It's okay. You know, here, have, have an Oreo cookie as a result of, uh, of a good workout. You know, that's yeah. like a dentist saying, oh, you have no cavities. Well, here's a lollipop. I'll yeah. see you in a few weeks. Yeah. Suck on it for half an hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, uh, it, it is hard for me to find, you know, just like any small business, uh, you want to duplicate yourself and that's not going to happen. There's no, there's no, uh, Noah, my son is the closest thing to that. Right. So, and he's doing very well, but yeah. we need other practitioners to help us, especially now that we're going to have two locations in the next couple of months. Uh, um, I can't, I can't work from four thirty in the morning until eight o'clock at night for the rest of my life. No, so, and, so, and probably you don't want to either. No, I no, I don't. I uh, I want to watch my daughter ride a horse. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, there's a need out there. So if there's if there's somebody that feels like they can uh, start off part time in, in the San Diego area, who's who's like minded, the the just like I said in the beginning of this interview, the demand is overwhelming and the supply is very limited. Yeah. You know. yeah. So just before we finish off, just give us an idea of what your daily food looks like. How, do, how does that work for you? Very good. All right. So keep in mind, I'm, I'm an NF1. So, so eating exactly like me, it, it, it might not be healthy for you. Yeah. Um, but, and also keep in mind that I've developed 30 year habits of high carbohydrate living. So I've had to make my meals kind of transitional to those habits. Um, uh, I intermittent fast 
but I don't do it daily. Other people can do it daily. I've ingrained in my body, especially if I'm going to work and, and uh, partially work out with clients from 4.30 in the morning until late in the evening. Um, uh, I've built it in my head that I need a little something on my, on my stomach. Yeah. So first thing, when that alarm goes off at 3.30 in the morning, um, I, I'll have eight ounces of water with a, about a quarter of a lime squeezed in it. I totally believe in a little bit of lime. And we just moved to a place that has its own lime trees. So mm-hmm. I have fresh limes right from our orchard. Uh, um, and then I have a, a plethora of supplements. Um, I have zinc and D3 and vitamin C and glucosamine and chondroitin. And um, uh, what else do I have? I, um, I, I have um, um, ursulinic acid. Uh, I have a little, a bit of a Google sterone in there um, for, for thyroid health. Um, I have my own supplement called Tri-System Edge, which is just um, some antioxidants, some natural herbal antioxidants and hormone support supplements. So I have this, all these pills and I can't just go on an empty stomach. Oh, so what yeah, I, I used to say. have, right. So what I used to have was oatmeal every morning. And uh, um, when I first became low carb, I used to fry up an egg and bacon, and that just took too much time. And and I missed my oatmeal. Boo hoo me, right? Yeah. So there's something I call Jeff's keto cereal, and it and I make it goopy, kind of like like a porridge. And so it's um, a little bit of either collagen protein, like uh, less than a scoop or a little bit of low carb or no carb whey protein. Yeah. Um, three teaspoon, not teaspoon, three tablespoons of hemp seed, um, two or three walnuts, two or three pecans, um, um, a, a little bit of, the, uh, they have these uh, low carb gran- granolas, these ketogenic granolas. I don't know if you, you know of Costco, there's a, a big chain, like a Sam's Club, or you can get them online. Amazon has, it's called keto granola, but you know, a serving of it is, yeah. it is like a quarter cup and it's very easy to, uh, to eat too much of it. Yeah. But what I do is I, I just use it as a flavor. So I, I literally take a pinch of it, put it in this mixture, have about two ounces of heavy cream. Um, I'm careful to try to use the pure heavy creams that don't have carrageenan or other fillers and thickeners in there. I try to use just heavy cream yeah. and it's about two ounces and I mix that up and it, it kind of has the consistency of a porridge and that has about six or 700 calories in it. Um, and uh, um, it, um, it helps to buffer the absorbing of all those supplements I have. Yeah. Because if you take so the supplements, if you take the supplements on an empty stomach, they can make you feel really nauseous, can't they? Right, right, definitely. It'll, it'll do it for me. So then, um, so I, I eat that while I'm eating that. Um, uh, I, if it's not already made from the previous night, I, I pack. So now it's about three forty-five, four o'clock. I pack in a glass container um, dinner from last night. And, and that's usually a, you know, a good cut of steak. Uh, um, last night it was salmon, um, pulled, pulled pork, uh, a stringy roast, chicken thighs, chicken, th- chicken drumsticks in the air fryer with um, 
a, a little bit, almost like a garnish of, of some green vegetable, either green leafy salad, cooked spinach, uh, broccoli, or string beans. And I'm, I'm talking maybe a half cup of that with about six or eight ounces of the meat. Yeah. That goes in my pack. Um, I get to work, start working, and then anywhere between 11.30 and 1, I'll break for a half hour and eat what was in that Tupperware. Yeah. Um, I'm usually not hungry at all, but sometimes I am, especially if I'm stressed. If I have a client that, uh, you know, drops a bomb on me, like I have cancer or, or I'm pregnant or I'm pregnant and I don't know who the father is or I just fell in love or, or you know, I'm in love with the you know, the, the cleaning lady, you know, somebody that just drops horrendous news on me that my response is my stomach will get hungry. Mm. So I'll have um, a, either a handful of almonds, a, 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 some sharp cheddar cheese. I'll have just a little bit to just get my stomach to say, don't worry about their problem. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and then, um, later on in the, in the day or throughout the day, I'll have a cup of green tea and, um, uh, I'm pushing it. I, I know I'm pushing it. The business has grown to the point where it, it's really not realistic to sustain that kind of schedule working, you know, 15 hours and, and interacting with clients energetically. So my vice right now is a thing called zip fizz which has a little caffeine in it and it's an electrolyte replacement. And it also has sodium bicarbonate, which helps to buffer lactic acid build up. So if I'm dragging a little bit, um, nobody, hopefully nobody can see that I'm dragging, but uh, uh, in between clients, I'll down a little bit of electrolyte called zip fizz. It's got sucralose in it. A lot of people listening to this would say, oh, sucralose, bad, but it, uh, it's a pick me up. Uh, so I'll call it a vice. It's the worst, probably the worst thing that I do when it comes to food. Yeah. Dinner is the same thing. And I'll have that seven or eight o'clock at night. Um, on, on a night that, that I don't have to get up at three 30 in the morning. Um, I might have a low carb Corona. That's a premier. It's two net carbs. That's a, that's a Mexican beer. Um, or, uh, if, uh, if I'm really in a feisty mood, I'll have um, a high proof, no, no mixer, uh, bourbon and, and less than an ounce, yeah. but that's, that's not every night. Um, but I, I like it. Uh, uh, and, uh, if I'm, if I'm not tired, um, I'll, I'll have it and it'll, it'll kind of calm me down. Yeah. Um, some nights if I feel like I have to go to bed early and I won't, uh, and, and I don't feel like I'm going to get enough sleep because sleep is so important in my schedule. Uh, I'll have uh, uh, with water, some five HTP or some GABA. Uh, and that helps me rather than melatonin that helps me as a sleep aid. And that's a typical day in Jeff Cotterman's goofy life. Yeah. Sounds good. I mean, there's probably quite a lot of calories there, but you're, you're working out all the time, aren't you? Or a lot of the time. probably. Yeah. One of the, one of, and Tina's always right. Well, most of the time she's right. My wife. Uh, yeah. I have a habit of trying to motivate my client by doing their warm up, Right. And so if I have a client every half hour uh, for 15 hours a day, I'm doing, you know, 20, 30 warmups a day. And even though a warmups, not that much, I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. If it's a stretch or if it's a, a kick or uh, so, so the, the big thing right now is try to get me out of the habit of warming up with every single client. <laughs> 
And so that burns a lot of calories. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So is there anything that I haven't asked you, we haven't spoken about that you would have liked to mention? Oh, Jackie, we could talk all day. Uh, (laughs) I'm passionate about this. I think the summary of this is is that um, everybody has a purpose in life. Everybody has, uh, um, uh, I'm going to get a little bit a little bit philosophical here, bear with me. I feel like we were all built with specific qualities that are meant to do something productive, that we're not just this random con- uh, group of cells that, that just respirates and, and excretes and then dies. I think that mm-hmm. there's a specific reason and purpose for us. And I think that finding that purpose is part of the battle in health. If you feel like you are meant to do, you're here for, a, and you have a job to do. And maybe that is helping someone else. Maybe that is being in someone else's life but, uh, or, or accomplishing something. Once you have a why, then, then you, you have a reason to become a little uncomfortable and take the extra effort to do things that are not just easy, to do things that, that are going to have a, a, a lasting benefit, maybe even after you're gone. Yeah. then you're going to ultimately have success. And if you're interested in that, or you don't have that, then you need to get to, with people uh, that are altruistic, that are interested in bettering you to, to find that. And that that's, what's going to make people happy. I, yeah. Happiness is found in finding purpose. And, and then, and then once you have the purpose, getting the resources to do those things. So if you feel like your job is to climb a mountain, but you have trouble walking to the bathroom, then, then you need to get to somebody so you can climb that mountain. Yeah. And, and so it's all, I'll, 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 I'll end my sermon there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all about taking, you know, you might not be able to walk very far at the moment and you want to climb a mountain, but you have to break it down into just doing those first steps. You, you can't look at the mountain and think I'm never going to do it. Yes. But you have to just take the first step. And get help. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. How can people get in contact with you, Jeff? So um, I have two emails. One's for the Tri-System Center, and that's Jeff, J-E-F-F, at Trisystem.com. No S at the end. A lot of people want to want to put an S at the end of Trisystem. There's no S there. Um, and then if you're interested in certification, it's Jeff at nasnutrition.com, NAS Nutrition. And you can check out those websites there as well. There should be, I'm going to check out, there might be a little glitch with the contact forms. Um, and either one of those should have a contact form. And if you have trouble with one, use the other. I, I don't care. If you want to contact me, I, uh, um, I'm here to listen. Uh, and so you can use the contact forms at trisystem.com or nasnutrition.com. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. Brilliant. Any social media stuff that you do? I do it, but I don't do it well. So, so uh, <laughs> there wasn't, there, there was an NASN uh, um, Instagram and that was probably my best one of all. I had thousands of uh, followers and they shut it down because I guess there were some Autobots or something on there. And I just never turned it back on. Try system and my supplement have Instagram presence. I have Facebook presence. I have a LinkedIn presence um, um, with lots of followers. I have a personal page uh, um, that's uh, um, somewhat philosophical, motivational um, on Facebook that I post to every morning with words of encouragement. Um, 
but that's about it. Right. Brilliant. We'll, we'll include all that in the show notes anyway. Um, so we'd like to finish off by knowing your three top tips that you would give to listeners. And that could be about anything. It could be about keto, low carb. It could be about exercising. It could be, you know, anything that, that comes to mind that, that you feel strongly about. Right on. Well, just because you don't feel like it or you don't want to do it doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Mm, that's me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know Disney says, follow your heart, but sometimes your heart will lie to you. Yeah. Uh, and so your brain has to rule over your heart and other body parts that might want to lead you astray. Um, the second is um, uh, the one factor. And we teach this in our, in, in our personal training course. The one factor that's going to make you successful as a practitioner, the one character trait, and it's not knowledge or experience or skill, it's altruism. So you ultimately have to uh, um, be sincerely interested in your client's well-being, not take responsible responsibility for it. You know, if someone doesn't show up, it's not your fault, but you need to take response, not responsibility, but, but um, an interest in their well-being, in some cases equal to or greater than your own. Mm. And if you can convey that you are seriously interested in making somebody's life better, they're more likely to come back to you, not because of what you know or, or, or how fit you are, but because of your sincere, authentic interest in them. And I think that's going to make the world a better place. Um, I, I have found practitioners that have harnessed this and they have more clients than they know what to do with to the point where they start saying, well, I'm going to skip my workout. I'm going to skip my lunch so I can fit another client in. And you still have to take care of yourself, but harnessing authentic altruism is, I think, the key to uh, to making this world a better place. Yeah, and sometimes and, uh, we we lose that, don't we? Some people, yeah. sometimes we lose it, and you know, circumstances over the last couple of years have dictated that we 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 focus on ourselves and not on other people. But I think we need to get back into into that giving, helping motivating you know whatever way that for whatever form that takes is to yes. helping others be the best they can be yes the third and final thing is everyone has a cross to bear and what i mean by that is everybody has their own problems in life and we don't know what they are yeah right and so we can look at somebody and say that person's life is perfect or that per what does that person have to be upset about they have enough money they have a nice family they have a nice job they have all these things but we're not inside that person's head so when that, when that person cuts you off on the freeway or that person is rude to you on the phone uh, or that person is uh, uh, just mean and ornery, we don't know what they're going through. Recognize mm -hmm. that they have a cross to bear just like you. Recognize that they're dealing with things that, um, that you might not know about or that might just be as bad or as worse as what you're dealing with and, and give them a little bit of grace because uh, um, we want that in return. Yeah. Brilliant. Jeff, thank you so much for being with me today. Um, it's been fantastic talking to you and finding out all these things that you do and how you've changed. I, you know, I think, I think it's very brave to say I got it wrong and yeah. not everybody's willing to do that. And I, you know, kudos to you. Thank you. At the sure. end of the day, you got to put your head on the pillow and be able to go to sleep. And so I just want to do things so that I can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.
It was fun talking to you, Jackie. Thank you. It was great to talk to Jeff. I just love the stories where people are expounding a belief or a theory and then have a massive awakening. And I can relate to that myself because I believe that vegetarian was a healthy way of eating and I struggled to stick with it because I liked meat so much. But even when I was vegetarian for a while, I mostly ate bread and pasta. Yikes. I don't even think I had any protein except for maybe some cheese. I didn't even believe it was good to eat eggs at that time. The problem was, I believe vegetarian was the right way to be. And so when I wasn't being a vegetarian, I was creating this whole internal conflict. I'm so much happier now that I eat the way I do and that meat is not that big thing to be afraid of or worried about. As I mentioned in the actual interview, it's great that Jeff was able to be open-minded enough to look further into what Dr. Brian Linsky's from episode 42 was explaining to him and then to change his whole practice around that. A great quote that Jeff mentioned in the podcast was, my purpose is to help people do what they don't want to do so that they can be who they want to be. I just thought that was really great. If you'd like to join us in our Facebook group, just head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash fabulously keto and the show notes can be found where all the links are as well. Um, fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero nine six. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. Mm -hmm.